you have your Bibles with me, please turn to a passage that you would have read earlier this week, and I'm trusting that you enjoyed your journey through uh, the life of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob some this week as you did your Bible reading, but we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12, which is basically where we started off this week of reading, and talk about living life with an open hand, and I will explain to you uh, what that means here in just a little bit. All right, Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to read just the first little bit of that chapter for now. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country your people and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Think about this. So here you are today. You're all comfy and settled in your life. You have your life. You have your friends. You have your routine. You know what you're going to do tomorrow morning when you wake up. You have your home. You have your comforts. You have your friends. You have your church. You have your job. You have your furniture, your favorite chair, your couch, your sofa, your bed. You have your room. You have your language that you know. You have your culture. You have this town and life is relatively smooth. So, <clears throat> having all that, now somebody comes to you and says, life as you know it is over, you're moving. You say, among other things, where to? You will probably say a few things, and the reply is, I can't say, but I'll tell you when you get there. Just think about that. If God were to come to you today, and, and, and as young or as old as you are, and to say to you, your nice little life as you know it is over. You're moving. I want you to move. And you're saying, where are we going? And he says, I'm not telling you, but I'll tell you when you get there. How would you feel? It'd be a little disconcerting, wouldn't it? It might be a little strange. Lord, I, I just, you know, like, what about my 
<coughs> for us older ones, what about my pension? And what about, you know, like, will I have to learn a new language? And will I have to eat something I don't want to eat? And, and all the rest of these things, like, my life is over. And, and if your life that I just described to you, your life with all its comforts, your life with all its, its everything that you have, and, and your clothes, and your job, and your, and your bank account, and your house, and your, and your bedroom, and, and your toys, and everything that you have, and if, if someone was to say to you, say, your life is over, like you're starting over again, and if, if your life was sitting in the palm of your hand, your tendency, or my tendency, would probably to close that hand and say, I don't want to. I don't want to go. I like it here. I'm comfortable. Leave me alone. You know, we sing that song, take my life and let me be. Like, you know, and so we would, we would tend to close our hand over that because, you know, my, my doctors are here and, and, and my, my friends are here and my church is here and my, my family is here and my house, oh, my house is just about paid for. Come on, you know, like, like, like I don't want to start over again. Who wants to do that? And if the situation that I'm talking about is so ludicrous, you're probably saying, well, that's never going to happen to me. But what if it did? What if God were to come to you and say like Abraham, guess what, you're leaving. Your life, as you know it, is over. I want you to move. I want you to go somewhere else. And Abraham says, where to? And God says, I'm not telling you. I just want you to go. And when you get there, I'll let you know. Well, it did happen. It happened to Abraham. It happens to people today. God says to people today, I want you to go. What, are, what on earth were Josiah and Jessica thinking moving to Niger? They went through all this stuff. They learned French in Quebec. And now they're in Niger. And now they're there. There's all these, these protests. They're having to hide uh, and plus they're having to come back to Canada and, and they don't know what's going on and, and what God has planned for them. God just said, go, and they went. And, and God says, we're, we're not, you're not there yet. You're going back again. It does happen. And the reality is, it will happen. And if you and I are going to get serious about following Jesus, then it could very well likely be that we are going to get come moved out of our comfort zone. I don't want to lose people from Emmanuel Baptist Church. Good night. We need, we need the income. So nobody, nobody's allowed to leave, you know. On the other hand, if everybody left here and, and went to the mission field and I was out of work, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You know? Make my life a lot easier. But... Think about this. So here's a potential conversation. So you're, you're going along through life and everything's cool. Like, like, you know, your life is comfortable. And Jesus taps you on the shoulder and he says to you, why are you resisting me? And you go, huh? Like, when have I been resisting you? And then Jesus says, well, are you going to follow me? And you say, well, I hadn't really thought about that. And Jesus said, if you're not following me, 
you're resisting me. Ever think about that? If you're not following me, you're resisting me. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to live life with an open hand. Our tendency is to to close that hand and, and to close it over whatever I have here because I like what's in here. I like what's here. It's comfortable. I've earned it. You know, I've worked hard all my life, or I'm going to work hard all my life, or I want a family, or I want this, or I want that. These are my goals for my life. All of my ambitions, hopes, and plans, I hold them tightly in my hand. No, 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 that's not how the song goes. I surrender these into your hand. I'm going to open that hand up and say, Lord, here's, here's my life. And instead of saying, take my life and let me be, where the fingers close, we're going to say, take my life and let it be the way that you have decided. Now, when, when we talk about salvation, that, you know, I mean, those are comfortable words. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we, we accept that. Okay, so, okay, so all I have to do is say, Lord Jesus, uh, I'm glad I accept the fact that you died for me. I accept you as my Savior. Uh, please forgive my sin, and we're going to live happily ever after, right? But if you're going to say those words, if you're going to accept God's offer of salvation, there are some conditions that are attached to that or some natural consequences that are part of that that we don't often think about. And those two things are surrender and submission, and we don't often think about that, but this is the point where we begin to bulk and to resist. Because think about this. If I acknowledge the superior wisdom and power of God, and if God exists, then I am a created being, and I am accountable to Him. If God is more greater and wiser and more powerful than I am, then he has the right to make the rules. We talked about that last week. There are absolutes. God has the right to make them. And if God paid the price for my life, which he did by giving his son Jesus, then he has the right to tell me what to do. And if Christ laid down his life for me, which he did, and I accept that, then I owe my life to him. Does that not make sense? I owe my life to Jesus, and if he is my Lord, not just my Savior, if Christ owns me, then he also owns everything that I have, and this is the point where my hand needs to begin to open and to say, Lord, all of my ambitions, hopes, and plans, everything I have, everything I am, everything I will ever have and will ever be is in an open hands. I surrender that into your hands and you can do with that which you like. But Lord, I like my little house. I want to stay there. It's paid for. I don't want to move. I have too much stuff. I don't want to pack anything up. And if I do have to pack anything up, Kathy's going to be right that I have too much stuff. So I don't want to move. And when Jesus calls us to discipleship, in Luke 9, there's a passage where someone said to Jesus, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus said, well, foxes have holes and 
birds of nests, but I have nowhere to lay my head. And Jesus said to another person, follow me. Well, first let me go take care of my own business, and then when I'm good and ready, well, then I'll follow you. And Jesus said, that's not the way it works. The passage that Wes read for us earlier, Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, if any of you does not give up everything that he has, he cannot be my disciple. And to be a disciple is to be a learner, and by extension, that means to be a follower. Jesus said in John 10, verse 27, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And Jesus said, when you're not following me, you're resisting me. Lord, I don't want to go. Lord, I don't want to. Lord, I, I want to hang on to that which is comfortable. I, I want my bank account. I want my pension funds. I want my money. I want my comfort. I want my family. I want my friends around me. And, and God says, oh, I'm asking you to surrender that. doesn't mean he's going to take it. But God says, open up your hand and learn to follow me. What happened to Abram? The story we just read. It makes sense. It happened, uh, excuse me, 4,000 some odd years ago. And so God says to Abram, he says, he makes him a promise. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, but here's what it's going to take. You need to leave. You need to leave, and, and that's in verse 1, you need to leave your country, your people, and your father's household. In other words, you need to leave the comforts that you now have. Everything, you need to leave your language. You need to leave your culture. You need to leave your family. You need to leave your home. You need to leave your stuff. And you need to go. And he says, where? And God says, I'm not telling you. Go to the land. I will show you. When you get there, I'll let you know. And so our natural tendency is, well, okay, so if I do what God asks me to do, then everything's going to work out the way that I expected will work out, right? I mean, God says he's going to bless me. So if I follow him, he's going to bless me, and then life's going to, I'm going to live happily ever after. Is that really the way it works? Look at Abraham. So he gets to the land where he's going, and he, he kind of makes a camp there, and then look at verse 10 in your Bibles. We're still in chapter 12. So Abram gets to this land, this land that God had promised him. There's a famine. Lord, I thought you said you were going to bless me. Now, I, I did everything you told me to do. I get to this place where you told me to go to, and, and now there's nothing to eat. What are we going to do? So you read the story this week. So he goes to Egypt. Then... then the king of Egypt looks at Sarah and, and Abram's wife and says, oh, she's pretty nice. I think I'll take her. And Abram says, okay, well, she's my sister. And, and so there's all kinds of kerfuffles over that. And he winds up leaving with, with all kinds of good stuff. But you know the rest of the story. You read it. His wife was stolen. There was trouble with his nephew Lot. There was war with the Canaanite kings. There was a wife who couldn't conceive. There was that scheming with, with, uh, with the wife's servant and, and the birth of this, this man Ishmael, which, who is the father, by the way, of everything that is Muslim right now. And if Abraham hadn't messed up, I told Kathy this week, Kathy says to me, um, 
wouldn't it be great, like, if, if Eve had never, you know, sinned, wouldn't it be great? And I said, well, if Eve hadn't done it, your sister probably would have, so... Um, <laughs> Guy shouldn't say stuff like that. But she agreed with me. But anyway. You know, if Abram hadn't messed up with that that Hagar and and gotten Ishmael, you know, I wonder if we'd have all this trouble with with Muslims today. Anyway, that's a whole... I'm going to leave that one over there somewhere along the line. But, you know, I mean, for Abram, come on. Like, God, I did everything you told me to do. and, And now... 25 years of waiting for her son, and then he asked them to sacrifice his sons. There was family problem. And, and so Abram did what God told him to do, and life turned into a mess. Like, why should I follow Jesus if he's just going to mess my life up? Because my life right now is good, and I don't want to mess it up. That was always my biggest scare. If I surrender my life to Jesus, he's just going to mess it up. Well, there's always a cost involved. When you follow Jesus, when Jesus comes and says, follow me, or when you accept his offer of salvation, when Jesus says, follow me, there's always a cost involved. Yes, the salvation is a gift of God. It's not, not by works so that no one can boast. It is a gift. We are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift. Yes, but there's always a cost. There's a personal cost. Uh, and it's an inward right. And I need to surrender my rights. If someone else is going to run my life, I need to surrender my right to run that myself. I need to give up my independence. I need to give up my definition of pleasure. I need to give up my right to self-determination. I need to give up my secrets, my ambitions, my desires, my values. I need to change my thinking. I need to give up my own definition of what it means to be somebody. There's always a cost involved. And then... There's the outward cost about my money, about my possessions, about my security, about my health, about my family, about my future, about the legacy I'm going to leave. You see, there's always a cost involved. And sometimes, you know, we we think, well, that's too big a price. I don't want to pay that. And yet the reality is the one who died for us gave far more than you and I will ever give up. Right? He gave far more than you and I will ever give up and the best thing that we can do is to surrender everything we have and are to him and let him make the plans. Dennis, what was that verse again that you read for us? Can you, can you do that again? You looked that up. You had it on your phone there. Can we do that again, Rich? Second Corinthians 4.18 So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You will never give up. When you follow Jesus, you will never give up more than what he gave up for you, and you will never give up what he has. You you, you can't begin to imagine what he has planned for you. But when we hang on to this life, that's all we get. 
One time I ran into a man, and I've told some of you this story, but one time I ran into a man who was covetous of the fact that, that I was able to go to Bible college, and I said to him, he was married, he had a couple of kids just like we did at the time, and he said to me, if I was going to follow Jesus to do that, it would mean that I would have to give up everything that I own. Yeah. So? Is there, are there worse things than, than being broke? There are probably what, is, what would be worse would be to, to be, be well off or to be comfortable and to be resisting Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to sell everything you have and walk away from it, but when we hold that in an open hand and Jesus said, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, when you give up something, there, there's, there's a um, book in our library. It's called Kisses from Katie. It's a story about Katie Davis, who was a young woman from Tennessee in the United States, and somehow God got a hold of her. She was going to a youth group, and she wound up going to, what is it, Uganda, honey? I forget the exact country. Think, hey? And, and, and Katie is, is, right now, she's in her early 20s. She just got married two weeks ago, by the way. But Katie is in her probably middle or upper 20s right now. Uh, and she's got, like, hundreds of kids that she's feeding. She's starting an academy for this kid. But God called her to Uganda. And, and people from her home church said, like, like, why are you doing this? Like, you have it good here. You're comfortable. You have a boyfriend. You have a future. You have all this stuff. And she says, God has called me there. And I have a quote by her from her book uh, on, on the bulletin board above my desk. And it says, nothing is a sacrifice in light of our eternity with Jesus Christ. Nothing in this life is a sacrifice in light of our eternity with Jesus Christ. And when you follow Jesus... Yeah, there's a cost involved, but when you follow Jesus, you enter into an adventure that you can never buy, something that you can never get, because following Jesus brings all kinds of great rewards. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 29, I don't know if you, if you want to turn to that, but let me read it for you. Here's, here's the deal. Okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Here, here's the deal. Okay, like, like you, you look at your TVs or you look at, at the flyers that come in your mail and there's deals and, and, and you like deals. Okay, we like deals. We go to the store and you buy the deal. And, and you know, Kathy and I bought something that was on, I mean, when you buy something that's on sale, I mean, there's stuff that we buy that's on sale we don't even need. Um, you know, this hasn't happened for a long time, but one time Kathy came home um, and, and I've, shared some of this before. Kathy came home, there was, a, was a, a container of diapers sitting on the floor when I came home, about that high, a huge bag of diapers. And I said, to, this was a long time ago, and I said to my wife, is there, do we need to have a conversation here? Like, is there something you need to tell me? And she said, no, they were on sale. Okay. We like a deal. So here's, here's the deal, Okay. Matthew 10, verse 29. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Okay, that's a hundred to one. 
a hundred to one return on your investment. No one who has left all this stuff will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, oh, by the way, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Why would you not take up a deal like that? You see, the tighter you clench your hand to hang on to what you have, the more you're going to lose. There's a story about how people in Africa catch monkeys. And what they do is they take, they take a gourd, a hollow, hard-shelled vegetable thing, and they tie it to a tree. They chain it and they tie it and they bore a hole in it that is small enough so that the monkey can squeeze his little hand in it and they put some sweet stuff in there. And the monkey can smell that sweet stuff. And so he puts his hand in there and he grabs those things that he wants and he holds them in his little fist and now he's trapped because the monkey is too dumb to let go And the hunter can come along and whack the monkey and have dinner. You and I do that sometimes. We hold stuff in our hands and we wind up in this trap. And the best thing you and I can do is to let go. The tighter you clench your hand to hang on to what you hold dear, the more you will lose. In 1949, a man by the name of Jim Elliott graduated from Bible college. And he decided to become a missionary. Melanie, we could, you could shoot that up on the screen now. In 1949, Jim Elliott graduated. In 1952, he and five others contacted a tribe of people in the jungles of, believe, I believe it was Ecuador. And they wound up giving their lives in his Jim Elliott's wife was Elizabeth Elliott, and many of you will have heard of her one time or another. But Jim died in a remote corner of this world, and you'd think, what a waste. Here was a young man in his prime, gave up everything that he had, all his potential, his wife, his little daughter, and yet his words before he died were these, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. When you and I follow Jesus, yeah, we're asked to give up some things. But those things we're asked to give up, we can't keep anyway. And what you will gain in eternity, we're so short-sighted because we fix our eyes not on what is unseen because we're, we're so dumb, we're like the monkey. All we can think about is that stuff that we have in our hand and if I can just get it out of there, I can keep it and I can eat it and I can have it all for myself without realizing that we are desperately and horribly trapped by that closed hand. So open it up and say, Lord, all of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender these into your hands. Everything I have 
everything I ever will have, everything I am now, everything I ever will be, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to resist. See, if I'm not following him, I'm resisting him. And say, okay, Lord, I'm going to quit resisting. I'm going to surrender it to you, and I'm going to be like Abraham. No matter what things are going to turn out like, I know you're in control. I surrender these into your hands, and it's going to be good. It's going to be an adventure, and the, yeah, there are going to be hard times. There's no two ways about it. But it's still the best decision you and I can ever make because he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, I ask your forgiveness for being so short-sighted. I ask your forgiveness for having my hand clenched around things that I can't keep anyway. And following Jesus is the biggest adventure and the biggest thrill that we can ever experience in this life. So Lord, help us to relax that hand. When the call comes, I want you to leave, and I want you to go, and I want you to do, and I want you to give up, that we will do what you ask us to do, because Lord Jesus, you went all the way to the cross for us, and nothing is a sacrifice in light of eternity with Jesus Christ. Father, give us courage, give us the wisdom, Lord, give us eyes to see, free us from the snares of this world so that we might live for you and live for Jesus and spend all of eternity with you and, and whatever it is, Lord, and whatever it is, it's going to be better than what we have here now. Father, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your generosity. Father, we commit ourselves to you, all of our ambitions, hopes, and plans. And we sing the song, My Jesus, I Love Thee. And I will follow you wherever you will take us. And we say this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.